0: Hey, good morning Christ Community Church. It is my privilege to be bringing the word to you uh, this morning. This morning we're gonna be in Proverbs chapter two, verses one through 22. So if you would turn your attention to the, the Lord's word and we will hear what he has to say to us, his people. This is Proverbs chapter two, verses one through 22. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness, and justice, and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil, and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked, and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth, and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death, and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good, and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, our key truth for this passage uh, this morning is that God's wisdom calls us to diligently pursue a deeper understanding of His word so that we may joyfully cultivate the ability to wisely navigate life for His glory and the benefit of our neighbor. Let me say that one more time. God's wisdom calls us to diligently pursue a deeper understanding of His Word so that we may joyfully cultivate the ability to wisely navigate life for His glory and the benefit of our neighbor. You know, this really speaks to kind of two really fundamental desires that that most of us, I think, have. On the one hand, we recognize that life can be so complex and we desire wisdom to be able to enter into the complex spaces uh, with with wisdom, with with knowing how to walk in a way that pleases God, that uh, is good for human flourishing, that, that benefits our neighbor. And on the other hand, we want to be able to avoid the way of evil, to avoid following into patterns of life that disregard the Lord and disregard the good calling that He's placed upon us as His beloved sons and daughters. So we want to be engaged in the world as people who know of a better way and walk in it, no matter the unique circumstances that we may be faced with. And so this passage really helps us to understand what all that means, how we live that out as God's people, and how we put some feet to some of these things. Well, we see immediately, especially in the first half of this chapter, that these words really are a charge for us to diligently pursue wisdom. I mean, there's a, there's a big element of diligent activity here. You know, wisdom is neither our natural starting point, it's not something that we just wake up every morning knowing exactly what it means and how to put it into practice, and neither is it easy to obtain. Uh, It calls for a lot of diligent work and cultivation. We we see that here. Here it's represented as the result of several conditions, and all of them requiring persistent effort. Uh, We must, uh, it says, treasure up God's commandments. We've got to make our ears attentive to wisdom. We have to incline our hearts to understanding. We have to call out for insight. We have to raise our voices for understanding. We have to seek it like silver. We have to search for it as for hidden treasures. Treasure, make, incline, call, raise, seek, search. These are words of exertion, a purpose and action. But, but notice, they're not held out here as demands just for, for duty's sake, as though, well, this is just what you got to do, so you better get down and do it. No, these are words of effort in the pursuit of something infinitely great, the fear and the knowledge of God. Uh, you know, it's really remarkable how unapologetic the Bible is about the, the, the unsurpassed goodness of the Lord. I mean, in a way we should expect it, right? But if you're like me, you're just struck by it over and over and over again. The Bible is unapologetic that God is worth pursuing with every ounce of energy that we have. Full stop, no qualifications, no reservations, no, well, if you have the time, or, you know, well, there are other good things to pursue too. No, the Bible begins and ends with the full conviction that every effort we make to pursue the Lord, to grow in our understanding of Him, to grow in our maturity in the things of God, is worth it. It is really, really good, and it's worth it as His people. And notice the reason for all of this given in verse 6. It's the Lord who gives wisdom. It comes straight from His mouth. So the connection so far in the passage is, Make every, every diligent effort to pursue wisdom, to, to gain it, to grow in it, uh, exert yourself, really be serious about this. And in so doing, you will start to begin something of what it means to, uh, you'll you start to understand something of what it means to fear the Lord, to, to walk in His ways. I mean, that's an astounding truth right there, isn't it? Uh, it? Again, if you're like me, sometimes words like that or terms like that, the fear of the Lord, walking in knowledge and understanding, they can kind of seem abstract and, and hard to really grasp. And here in, in this passage, we find that one of the ways that we start to grow in understanding that is simply to seek it, it is to pursue the Lord with, with every ounce of energy that we have. Not, not to begrudge it, not to put it aside, not to put other things in, in a higher priority than that, but to pursue Him with all of our heart and soul and mind. And e- even in the very act of pursuing Him, We start to understand something of what it means to fear the Lord and to walk in the knowledge of Him. So the result, you notice, is that the Lord gives wisdom. It's from His mouth that we gain knowledge and understanding. You know, we're all familiar with those times in life when something just is is so good, and it's set before you, and it seems to be within reach, and it just inspires and motivates within us all sorts of creativity and, and energy and activity. You know, this is what the world commonly calls finding your passion, you're finding that thing in life that you are just motivated you, it to, to pursue. Uh, it just sort of, it almost ignites something deep within you that you're just willing to do whatever it takes to get it. That's the kind of passion that's recommended here. And what do we see when, when we pursue it, when, when we gain it? What, what's the result of it? We see God's care for His people. This is the, the heart, really, of verses 5 through 11. Wisdom looks out onto the world, and it sees the evidence of God's protection of His people and His leading them in the way of righteousness and justice and equity. You know, there was a video going around, a viral video going around on the Internet uh, last week. And uh, in, in the video, there was a, a, a dad with his younger daughter. who was maybe about three or four. And uh, she was trying to do all sorts of interesting trick shots and, and funny and, and silly things. And so in, in one example, she was... Uh, standing behind a uh, or behind a basket with her back uh, to the basket, and uh, she had a little ball. And what she was trying to do is throw the ball behind her so that the ball would land in the basket, right? So she would stand with her back to the basket. She'd have her ball in her hand, and she'd throw it up behind her. And uh, invariably, you'd see the ball start to go off course. You, you know, it's not going to make it into the basket. But then her dad, who's behind her, would would catch the ball in midair, and he would dunk it back into the basket. And then she'd turn around and he would say, look, the, the ball made it into the basket. It's just like you, you wanted it to do. And she'd be like, "Ah, oh, uh, of course. I, you know, why did I ever doubt? I knew I was, I was going to be able to make it. And, uh, and it would repeat with various things like that, where she would try to do something funny or silly and you know, not looking, and she'd throw it behind her, and her dad would, would catch it and put it into the basket. And then she'd turn around and just be so filled with joy and, and so amazed. Oh, I, I never should have doubted that, that I could have done this thing. And uh, and that's a small example. It's a funny but small example uh, of the sort of thing that wisdom sees when it looks out into the world with the kind of wisdom that God gives us. Before we went through life assuming that that we've been mainly responsible for the course of our lives, for the way that things have turned out, um, we credited it mainly to our own strength or understanding. And 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 wisdom gives us a different perspective. It, it sort of takes off the blinders. It, it gives us a bird's eye view of God's loving care for His people, that He's been the one behind us, as it were, catching the ball in midair, directing things just in the way that that they would work out for our good, our salvation in Christ, for for our growth in Christian maturity. Um, And and that includes the the really good things, the things that we love and celebrate, and also some of the difficult things that God has been there for us, that He's been directing the course of our lives. He's been our shield and protector, our, our refuge in times of trouble. That's the kind of thing that that wisdom looks out into the world and and it sees. And and notice the result of it, that we are able then, because of that, to engage in things with justice and righteousness and equity. Again, these are things the world desperately needs, things that that we ourselves continue to to need to grow in. And and one of the ways that we grow in it is a deeper understanding and recognition of God's fatherly care for us as people of the ways in which he's directed the course of our lives for our good and for his glory and for the life of the world. This is the conclusion that that these verses draw us to, that they point us to. The Lord is good to his people. He treasures up. Think of that verb. It's It's a deliberate word here. He treasures up wisdom for his people. Another way of saying that is he treasures up success for his people, godly success, success in every good way that will bring them salvation and maturity in Christ and a deeper understanding of all of that means for, for His people. He treasures that up for us. So that enables us to understand deep, more deeply what righteousness and justice and equity means. It's the key to our growth in understanding these things. It, it, notice that it gives us a kind of freedom. Because so often, I think, one of the reasons why we are, and maybe we're just not even thinking about it quite in these explicit terms, one of the reasons why we're, we're slow to uh, work out justice and righteousness and equity because we're holding on to fear and anxiety out of disbelief that the Lord really is good and really will be a shield to his people. Maybe we're slow to pursue justice because we're afraid that we won't get it for ourselves. Or maybe we're slow to pursue equity and to live out ways that we can be equitable to our neighbors because we're holding on to idols. Or we're slow to live out in righteousness because we're holding on to idols or false promises of sin. And the biblical perspective is that we can let go of these things because God is the one who cares for us. He is our shield and protector. He is the one who, who gives us every good success, who treasures up success for His people. And in growing in that perspective and having sort of the, the blinders taken off and being able to see how He's been catching the ball in midair for us and, and making the trick shots for us. And he's been with us in, in all the things that He's commanded us to do, helping us to do them. Not so that we're just mindless robots. Not so that we're just kind of doing it mechanistically, but that we're involved in the process and yet he's with us every step of the way. And it enables us then to live out in, in, in truth, righteousness and justice and equity because we're freed from all the sorts of fears and anxieties and, and idol-making tendencies uh, that, that prevent us really from, from growing in these things. So that's the kind of knowledge that, that this wisdom produces. It produces a kind of knowledge that enables us to enter into things with righteousness and justice and equity. And notice also that it produces in us joy. This is noticed in, uh, or talked about in verse 10. It produces in us a deep pleasure in the things of God. Now again, notice the sequence here, and it's really realistic. Because how often uh, have we complained, um, and I'm preaching to myself as much as to anybody, how often have we complained that most days the Bible just isn't very exciting to read. It feels sort of uh, like a a chore sometimes. Or or how often have we heard the call to diligently pursue wisdom as as a kind of drudgery? Or how often does it feel like we're, we're just fighting against our natural inclinations Uh, to be attentive in the worship service of the Lord, fighting against maybe the the drowsiness that we bring in that week or just the distractions, the things that are on our mind. I know I certainly struggle with that from time to time. Uh, So how often do these things kind of mark us and yet here we have a description uh, of a deep and abiding pleasure in the things of God Uh, and that's one of the things that wisdom produces. So we know that it often doesn't feel that way and yet we want it to feel that way. We want to be passionate about the things of God. We want it to ignite a fire in us uh, for these things. And here we have a kind of very realistic assessment. These things, the, the, the kind of passion that we're seeking, the, the kind of joy and delight in the things of God comes about the more we pursue Him in faith. The more we, we seek to know who He really is as our beloved and compassionate Father in true wisdom by, by calling out for it, by diligently seeking it. by by being um, almost, as it were, persistent, uh, desperately persistent to pursue these things and gain them uh, so that we can experience this kind of joy. So that is the normal experience. Take heart. Uh, You know, every time we're kind of uh, tempted to be discouraged because we just feel in our hearts, wow, this is not the kind of passion for the things of the Lord that I really want to have, go back to Proverbs 2 and, and see that, This is kind of the way that the Holy Spirit knows that we struggle. This is not new to the Lord. He's not taken aback by it. He knows that this is the normal frame of our human hearts and and kind of the ways in which we're growing in these things. He expects it and he has given us the the solution. Call out to the Lord. Call out for wisdom and understanding and insight. And the more we do that, the more we grow uh, both in our understanding of justice and equity and righteousness and also our deep and abiding delight in the things of the Lord. It grows with us. So take heart. That is the normal experience, and and God knows it, and He has provided a way for us to grow in our delight of the things of the Lord. Well, the delight and wisdom that we so desire, we see, doesn't always follow after um, uh, just uh, a sort of mechanistic program, but it does call for our diligent search for it. You know, pleasure in reading your Bible doesn't usually come until after you've taken some time to diligently pursue it. You know? And this implies not only a kind of striving after this joy that we're called to uh, live out as Christians, but it's also just normal to the Christian life. And it's the kind of value uh, that we see uh, is hidden in the pursuit of it, the, the value and joy of knowing God, uh, being um, filled with the joy that comes from, from pursuing His wisdom, comes the more we pursue it. And, and just notice here, again, take heart, one of the effects of sin is that it makes a kind of drudgery out of things that ought to be our deepest joy, right, and, and ought to be the things that just call us and, and ignite us into maturity. So take heart, because we know that growth and maturity exercises our whole personality, and oftentimes we just kind of resist that. We, we don't want to engage in things that make us uncomfortable, and yet there's a hid, hidden joy in each of these things. Not only will God be with us, not only will he be our refuge and strength for these things, but he will give us a pleasure in them, a joy in them that surpasses anything that we could pursue or find elsewhere. So so here's a question for us all as we, we think about some of these things. What are some ways that you've experienced joy by gaining wisdom from God's word? And what impact has that had on your discipleship? And also, what have you found to be obstacles to the experience of joy in God's Word? We want to be thoughtful about these things so that we can uh, engage them more, more deeply. And, and maybe even if, if this is what it takes, putting aside some of those things that, that have prevented us from really deeply engaging the, word, uh, the Lord in His Word, from, from being excited about them, uh, take every effort to pursue, call out, diligently seek, this is what the Lord calls us to. Jonathan Edwards has a helpful way of kind of thinking about these things. He says this, It is not according to the nature of the human soul to love an object which is entirely unknown. The heart cannot be set upon an object of which there is no idea in the understanding. The reasons which induce the soul to love must first be understood before they can have a reasonable influence on the heart. Notice this, Be assiduous in reading the holy scriptures. This is the fountain whence all knowledge of the things of God must be derived. Therefore, let not this treasure lie by you neglected. And again, he's just pointing out sort of the the, the natural experience that all of us have from time to time. It's impossible for us to really deeply love and be passionate about something that we don't know. We just can't do it. And so the Lord calls us to deeply engage his word, to stoke the fires of joy and passion in these things. And as we do so, even in the very act of pursuing him, we start to understand something of what it means to fear him and to live out in a way that's righteous and just and equitable. Well, let's turn again and see how the latter half of our passage really calls us to cultivate the skill to lead a godly life. In the latter half of this chapter, we see that godly wisdom cultivates in us the skill to wisely navigate issues uh, that are deeply complex and and avoid falling into patterns of life that are sinful and ultimately just unmindful of the Lord and His calling upon us. We see that there are really two kinds of temptations represented here. On the one hand, we can fall into the path that follows evil men who uh, just forget the Lord evil men who are full of violence and uh, don't give any thought to God and his commandments. On the other hand, we can follow in the way of the forbidden woman who uh, leads us into her house. So, so the image here is, is two kinds of evil, really. One, on the one hand, overt and rough and ready. On the other hand, uh, the other, subtle, not so much in your face, but, 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 but smooth with its words and, and, and temptations. So wisdom gives us the skill to follow in the better way to avoid these two kinds of of life and in both cases we also find that the opposite of wisdom is is following in the way that's unmindful of god and again for many of the folks following in these two paths of life it's not so much they woke up one day and just decided i'm going to out and out make myself an enemy of the lord i'm going to do whatever it takes to oppose him and his commandments more often than not, it's just a pattern of life that they've fallen into because they haven't been mindful of the Lord. They don't want anything to do with God or His commandments because they don't know very much about them and the little that they do know just isn't appealing to them. They respond with calls of His compassion, uh, with reminders of His goodness, with the, 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 the knockdown phrase, who cares? And, and that's really the perspective that we're given on these two kinds of temptation. So it's, it's, it's a way of life that's unmindful of the Lord, forgetful of the covenant of, of God. Well, the world is in need of a church that can live in terms of a better way. So much of our world is indeed complex and broken. There's so much evil that seems so systemic. Uh, there, there's so much even in our own hearts that, that still reminds us of that uh, corruption that we once walked in. And, and we need a way, we need a, a way of living that's able to enter and engage these things that follows in the better way that God has called us to. So there ought to be a difference in the way that we, as Christians, engage the world. Are are we doing so as Christians, with Christian presuppositions? Are are we engaging things with a Christian worldview that that takes the the good and the bad and engages it in a way that that points us to the wisdom that only God can give, that reminds us of His covenant care, that reminds us that He is the shield and protector, He is the one that leads and guides His people, that, that gives us a sense of what it means to live in terms of fear of Him. So is the Christian worldview governing the things that we say? Uh, notice that there's a, there's a double warning in the New Testament uh, for us as Christians. Think about in James chapter 3, verse 1, when it says that uh, not many of us should be, should be teachers, brothers and sisters, because we know that teachers are judged with, with a sort of double strictness. And yet, on the other hand, we have in, in Hebrews chapter 11, a uh, sort of rebuke to the, the, the Christians, at least that the writer of Hebrews was writing to, that by the time he was writing to them, they ought really to have been then, uh, teachers, he says. They ought to understand more than they do. Uh, so the, the picture here is really, on the one hand, not becoming teachers about things that we don't know very much about, and yet engaging those things so that we can become teachers. Not people who are filled up with a uh, sort of fake knowledge or who are using our knowledge to bash people over the heads with, with you know, insights that we think they ought to have, but really, so people, as people who are engaged in wisdom in, in growing in these things so that we can engage the world with the better way that God has called us to, not, not walking in the paths that are either rough and ready or, or subtle and smooth, but ultimately are un, unmindful of God or forgetful of His goodness, but really engaging these things as Christians, taking the gospel and then applying it to the things of life that we, that we find as God's beloved people. So, are you pursuing this kind of knowledge? Are you calling out for the wisdom uh, that only God can give, that enables you to avoid getting drawn into the common rush of the world with all of its fears and controversies and outrages and false hopes and pleasures? Are you becoming equipped to enter into these things with the wisdom that comes from walking in the fear of the Lord? You know, the joy that we get from wisdom doesn't just stop with a nice feeling in our heart or head, but really in the active discernment that enables us to serve our neighbors by being ambassadors of the kind of wisdom that the world could never dream, the kind of wisdom that comes from knowing God. And this is, in fact, how our chapter ends. Godly wisdom keeps us walking in the way of the good and the paths of righteousness. To the end, notice, that we may inhabit the land. That's very deliberate language. The picture here is that of the blessed hope of godly wisdom enabling us to dwell with God, uh, God, God dwelling with his people, enabling us to, to live that out, to experience that more deeply. And it points us to the great redemptive fact that was the wisdom described here is, is really perfectly revealed and perfectly lived out in Jesus Christ. All that we have said so far about pursuing wisdom and all that this chapter exhorts is really another way of describing the kind of growth that we are to pursue as disciples of Jesus. Jesus is the one who has become for us wisdom from God, true wisdom, true righteousness, and true redemption. So again, we're called here to engage the big issues of life as Christians, as people who are in the grip of the the one who is wise, the one who has become wisdom for us. And notice how this ends on on such a redemptive note, on an encouraging note, because we know that even this week we will fail to pursue wisdom with the kind of passion and intensity and strength that, that we ought to exhibit. We know that we'll fail to engage certain things, as people who are thinking it with gospel presuppositions, who are trying to engage them with a call to the gospel. We know that we will fail to do these things, and yet Jesus is the one who's become wisdom for us. And so we're just given the opportunity to work that out, to live that out, to grow in our understanding of that, to grow in our joy in the things of the gospel, to grow in our understanding of what it means to fear the Lord by remembering our union with Christ and living in terms of that. So again, are we engaging these things as as Christians? Are we not being overcome by the discouragements that sometimes come when we uh, engage the things of the Lord and we just don't find a lot of immediate joy in them? Not being discouraged when, for us, it takes a lot of effort to engage in uh, a worship service, to to be mindful and appreciative of what's going on and, and seeking the goodness of the Lord there. Uh, Not to be discouraged by these things, but to press on, to know the Lord, to know that at the end of that search, He is there and and His wisdom and joy is there. And We begin to understand more and more of what it means to walk in in these things and to have joy in these things. And then from that, to be able to engage the big issues of life with our neighbors, not only for our own flourishing, but for theirs as well, so that the, the goodness of the Lord gets a fair showing in our lives and in the way that we engage these things. So here's another question for us to ponder this Lord's Day. What are some areas of life, either personal or in the public square, that you're concerned about? And how does godly wisdom affect how you engage these things? And as you think about that, think about how the pursuit of wisdom in Christ changes how we view ourselves and the world. All that we have learned from this chapter can really be summed up as pursue wisdom in Christ. Pursue. Uh, a deeper maturity as disciples of Christ. Think about how uh, J.I. Packer says it, again, very helpful. He says, what were we made for? To know God. What aim should we set ourselves in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? Knowledge of God. What is the best thing in life, bringing more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else? Knowledge of God. What of all the states God ever sees man in gives him most pleasure? Knowledge of himself. And again, that's just so true. The Lord calls us to to know him more deeply. And that's the kind of wisdom that we want to have. The kind of wisdom that takes off the blinders uh, on our own self-sufficiency. The the kind of wisdom that that helps us to see, know that it is the Lord who has our shield and protector. The kind of wisdom, then, that encourages us, that motivates us to put aside the fears and anxieties and temptations that have caused us maybe not to walk in ways that are just and righteous and equitable. The kind of wisdom that gives us a deep and abiding joy in the things of God. The kind of wisdom that enables us to navigate life, not falling into either rough and ready sin, on the other hand, or or smooth and, and subtle sin, on the other hand enables us to walk and engage in things with gospel presuppositions, as people who've been given new life, enables us to do all of these things because we have a knowledge of God in Christ. And and having that knowledge uh, makes all the difference. And so again, we we end really where we began, with a call, diligently pursue these things. We've been given just a wonderful opportunity in Christ, not to do so to earn our salvation, not to do so with the kind of anxiety or fear that comes from the thought that if we don't get it right, we're going to mess something up. No, Jesus has it right for us. This is the invitation to pursue these things because these are good. The Lord has given us such a good opportunity to engage these things as Christians, to shine a light into a broken and dark world because He is the light behind that all, to give us wisdom because He is the one who is our shield and protector, to, to enable us to walk into these things as Christians with a, with a new hope and a desire to glorify Him in everything. So, what does Proverbs 2, 2, verses 1-22 through teach us? It teaches us that God's wisdom calls us to diligently pursue a deeper understanding of His Word, in order that it may cultivate in us a growing ability to wisely navigate life for His glory and the benefit of our neighbor. May the Lord help us to pursue these things and give us a deep and abiding joy in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your care for us. Lord, thank you for the kind of wisdom that you give that takes off the blinders of our own hearts and minds. The the blinders that made us think at times that we were self-sufficient, able to get along in the world without any help from you and our own strength and self-sufficiency. Lord, thank you for revealing these things to us, and Lord, motivate in us, ignite in us a passion for a deeper and more mature understanding of you of Your wisdom, and the ways in which we are called as Your people to live out righteousness and justice and equity. Lord, give us a passion that is born from the desire that comes from knowing that these things are to be found in Christ, that He is the one who has lived out wisdom for us, and righteousness for us, and justice for us, and equity for us. Lord, that He is the one that has done these things for us so that we can enter into them, not as people who, are, who feel condemned, or that we have to make up things for ourselves, but instead as people who are called into these things, as, as people who are redeemed and free, that we're given the opportunity to live them out in joy and increase in our joy in them. So Lord, give us a deep and abiding understanding of these things, that we may enter into the things of the world as Christians, as people with a, with a new perspective, with a different perspective, with creativity, uh, Lord, with the passion that comes from knowing that, that you are the rock and the refuge, the, the thing that we are all made for the one that we were made to enjoy and and lift up in glory forever. So Lord, give us a passion for these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.